0: The Dance Preneuring Studio Session 67 Breaking Barriers with Infinite Flow 5678 Hi there, and welcome to session number 67 of the Dancepreneuring Studio. I'm Annette Bone, and the Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business. This week, I get the chance to bring you another creative mind connected to the art of dance as she shares her inspiring story, her ideas, strategies, and tactics to help move your life and your business forward. I'm thrilled again to be bringing you another choreographer, dancer, entrepreneur, and artistic director of America's first professional wheelchair ballroom dance company. Yes, it's pretty amazing. Marissa Hamamoto is a force to be reckoned with in the dance world and in the business world, and I really hope that you enjoy and learn from our conversation. As we discuss parts of her journey of being temporarily paralyzed from the neck down, Doctors telling her that she would never walk again, let alone dance again. Also, three pieces of advice that she would give a new entrepreneur, as well as three things that she thought she'd never be doing that she's doing now. And of course, much more. Thank you again for joining me.
1: Hi, this is Marissa Hamamoto, ballroom dancer and founder and artistic director of Infinite Flow, a wheelchair dance company. And you're listening to another session of the Dancepreneuring Studio with Annette Bone. Now that you're warmed up, get ready to go full out with our feature presentation.
0: Imagine if you lost all sensation in your body and doctors told you that you would never walk again let alone dance again. That's pretty scary, right? Well, my next guest experienced that very thing while she was in a contemporary dance class that changed the course of her life. What she overcame and what she has created as a result of this experience is inspiring and humbling. Marissa Hamamoto is a professional ballroom dancer. She's a choreographer, an actress, a speaker, and CEO and founder of Infinite Flow, America's first professional wheelchair ballroom dance company that has been featured on numerous media outlets such as NBC's Today Show, ABC, Fox, the Los Angeles Business Journal, and recently Dance Spirit Magazine, just to name a few. Marissa started this company as a way of giving back to the community, understanding what it felt like when she was temporarily paralyzed from the neck down, and she wanted to create opportunities for those who are in wheelchairs or power chairs. I would highly encourage you to dive deeper into this part of her story. You'll be inspired. You'll be touched. I was crying, as it was quite extensive on an interview that she recently did on another podcast that I will link in the show notes. Marissa is not only a creative force in the dance world, but she is a very savvy businesswoman. So I wanted to focus on that aspect of her life and her business. Marissa, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I'm so excited to have this conversation. How are you? I'm good. Thank you
1: for having me.
0: Of course. I got to see you in a recent performance with you and your company. And I was smiling ear to ear. I was touched. I was crying. I loved watching you and your dancers. It was beautiful. It was seamless. And I just, you know, you really engaged me and just really drew me in with um, your company. Now with the business side of it, can you take us through the process of putting together Infinite Flow?
1: Sure. Um, It's kind of hard to to know where to start with it but you know let me just go through the basics um, Infinite Flow is first of all a professional dance company and we are a 501c3 nonprofit it's been about one year since um, we became sorry it's been about one year since I founded Infinite Flow for me I feel like it was destiny to start Infinite Flow I, as you had said in my bio, I was temporarily paralyzed from the neck down, now a professional dancer, dancing on my feet. And when I first discovered wheelchair dancing about two years ago and also saw how underdeveloped it was, I saw that there was something there for me already. And me having already been successful as a dance instructor for ballroom and salsa, prior to wheelchair dancing, I knew that I, was a- I, w- I would be able to kind of use almost the same formula to get the wheelchair dance company started. So uh, that was it. And to be really honest with you, I had no business plan. I had no like former formal partners that, you know, you know I had a dance partner that. Helped out a little bit, um, in the, in the very beginning. But honestly, I kind of went with my intuitive instinct to just roll with uh, what I thought was my life purpose, which was, which was sharing dance to people of all abilities. And not only sharing dance, I'll also elevating wheelchair dancing to another level. And honestly, yeah, I had no business plan and I said, okay, well, I'm interested. Let's kind of do what we can from scratch. And let's just see what happens was actually kind of how I started
0: this. That's really encouraging, because a lot of people let the fear of not knowing stop them. And the fact that you knew you had a desire to do this, and you felt it was your calling, that was enough to propel you forward and just kind of figure things out as you went along, right?
1: Correct. And I've um, recently, recently for our separate blog post. The reporter asked me, what are three tips you could give to young entrepreneurs about launching a business? And I had said, okay, let me go home and think about that because it was just <laughs> like, whoa, okay, I've never had someone ask me for business advice before. But I said, you know what, I think I could you know, give a young entrepreneur some business yes. advice because I have been successful at launching small businesses even prior to Infinite Flow. And the three ad- three points that I gave was – One was pursue your passion and purpose. You definitely like, you know, whether it's dance or something else, you know, for a business to work, you have to be passionate about it. You have to be able to live and breathe it and be okay with, you know, um, working 25-8 at it to get going and being okay with the fact that maybe perhaps in the very beginning, you might not get a financial return. So that's number one, pursue your passion and purpose. Number two is finding the missing link. For me, you know, wheelchair dancing was underdeveloped and I saw clearly what I could do with it. I knew that I had the background and the resources and the knowledge to contribute to the wheelchair dance world, if I should say, or to the dance world altogether. So I found that part that was missing from the community, from the industry and that's why i think finding that missing link is what it's going to what's going to make your business stand out and what's going to also i guess serve a need in the community yeah if there's a need there's going to be a business basically yes and number 3 is literally just do it i think one of i think one of the things that i have learned is it's very easy to get caught up in the world of studying and training. There's so many business seminars and all kinds of stuff out there, and I think they're all great, but like, you can be studying forever, but unless you take some action, nothing's going to happen.
0: That and, is so true,
1: <laughs> and and honestly, like you know, it's you know, taking action doesn't mean that you put, every, you know, you do everything. I think I think a lot of people get caught up in trying to do everything at once. Yes, it's more like just doing one thing. And so, like for example, my one thing was, okay, let's find a wheelchair dance partner. <laughs> you know, once you open the doors to receiving, then you know things will come your way as well. So. So, yeah, so those are my three business advice. The other thing I wanted to add was I feel like my business came as a result of kind of combining both my strengths and my insecurities. And what I mean by that is one of my strengths since I've known since being a child was I've been very good at production and projects. So I'm very good at putting the pieces together in a very creative way you know, as a student in elementary school or middle school or high school or college or whatever, I wasn't quite the student that... I I was the straight-A student at all times, but I wasn't the one that really, really understood the nitty-gritty parts of theory and all this kind of technical information, but I was more the person that was able to put pieces together and present it in a creative way. And, you know, whether it's a project that involved... Let's just say I, I I I won the California State Science Fair when I was a sophomore, and it was a project that compared polystyrene or styrofoam with something called Ecofoam. And Ecofoam is this packaging material made from corn, made 100% from corn starch, so it dissolves in um, water. So I did the science project on it, and it was just literally I I, I came up with ten, ten different ways of comparing these two products and. Is it worth for, is it, is EcoFoam worth, you know, its biodegradable value or not? But I think more than the complexity of the project itself, it was just the way I put things together. So with that said, so I, I feel like infinite flow is a result of putting, uh, uh, just let's just say, the child me kind of shows up in the adult me. Um, (laughs) i love that that's cool and on on the other end this is very interesting if there's three things that i thought as a child i would never be doing it would be one is public speaking two is being social (laughs) and three (laughs) is having my own business and the, the crazy thing is you know I feel like, you know, like owning my own business and running my own businesses um, is kind of like what I do. <laughs> yes. Um, what I preach and teach is social dancing. And with my story and the nonprofit, you know, my it's like I'm suddenly thrown into speaking quite a bit. And I'm sure that's going to grow as time
0: goes. Yeah, it's very interesting, because I because you had mentioned there was a time in your life that you you know, you had a a pretty bad experience with a friend. And then you decided, you know what, I don't want friends, I'm going to isolate myself, I'm just going to focus on what I'm going to do. And then you found yourself really alone during your hospital stay. And then you realized you know what, I do want some social interaction. And so now you're in that arena. Um, Like you said, you teach it, you're involved in professionally in that arena with ballroom and salsa and everything. And I imagine that's affected the way that you've created the community within Infinite Flow and the people that you come across. Yes,
1: for sure. Um, It's almost surreal at times. Um, Just a couple weeks ago, we had our student showcase. And um, literally, there's 56 performers and an audience of another 120, 130, something like that around me, plus staff. So there's about you know close to 200 people that were there and here's me leading the whole thing in this beautiful ballroom and it's very surreal because you know just a little bit less than 10 years ago um you know I was in the hospital bed alone and i realized during the hospital that i did need friends and again but at the one at the same time one of my biggest insecurities was that I didn't know how to socially interact with people. Um, and then, you know, it took, it took another three, four years to kind of really discover. You know, it was three, four years after that I discovered ballroom and social dancing. But the moment I discovered it, I knew that this was for me because being involved in this dance form would actually kind of force me
0: to have to be social. So if it wasn't for dance, then you wouldn't be social.
1: (laughs) I don't think so. Honestly, I (laughs) honestly, because I was kind of challenged to make friends on the antisocial side, you know, when I was, I think, a child, dance was more that safe voice I had that I didn't have to be so social with. So I thought, you know, dance was great because I didn't have to talk to people. (laughs) So so it's just very ironic that now it's like, you know, being social and talking to people is basically what I do for a living.
0: Yes, (laughs) Um, it's interesting how things turn out.
1: I think, you know, relating that to a business, I think like, you know, just just like, you know, I think we all have our insecurities. I think we all have whether it's a appearance insecurity or a personality insecurity, you know, I think we all have something that we are just like, Oh, I don't like that about myself. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, a lot of us also make an effort to either, you know, make up for those insecurities or do something about them. And it's almost like a constant, you know, life exploration on how to overcome these insecurities. And, And for me, it's just very interesting that ended up becoming, like, just what ended up helping me take off my businesses.
0: (laughs) So, yeah. The businesses that you started before Infinite Flow, what were those?
1: I think my first, like, let's say, individually run business, I would say, was I was teaching English privately in Japan at coffee shops. Spent my college and grad school years in Tokyo. And during that time, as a part-time job, I taught English to, to people privately at coffee shops. And it was kind of like a thing that um, a lot of English instructors did. And for me, like, uh, you know, I've, I, I did teach part-time at different English schools as kind of like a contracted contractor as well. But ultimately, you know, I think the last couple years that I was in Japan, I was fully taking on private students on my own. And that was my first i would say like business in addition to um i also worked as a freelance translator and interpreter in japan as well and oh, that okay. was specifically for for dancers and dance related people and what i learned from both teaching english and being this translator interpreter for the dance community in Japan and we're talking I was in, I was translating for some really elite high-end big name people <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of Hoffish Schechter um out in uh I think he has a company in London but anyway you know I like everybody I I was helping out was just very like you know you know national class world class choreographers and dancers and producers and and, you know, here's me, you know, still a university student, you know, taking on those jobs. And what I learned from that is that, you know, I had a niche and I, I had a niche that was uniquely me. You know, only Marissa can translate and interpret her Japanese is sometimes a little awkward, but she knows dance and she understands these people from a creative standpoint. So let's just hire her was kind of how people saw me. And so, you know, during that time, I I realized, oh, okay, you know, if you have a niche, you can build a business. (laughs) And then, you know, when I came back to the States, I did work full time for a ballroom dance studio down in Orange County for approximately a year. But after I moved up to LA in 2012, I started teaching salsa and ballroom from scratch, you know, starting with six students in in a once a week salsa class. And, you know, I pretty much said, okay, what is my niche? You know, what is my, what is my niche here? And I realized that my niche was going to be beginning adult dance students who have never danced in their life before and are actually very scared to even st- take a step, to take even a step in any dance class. <laughs> and somehow I was, somehow I appealed naturally to that population, possibly because I myself also Discovered Salsa and Ballroom um, at age 28, <laughs> not when I was five. So, somehow, like that niche worked, and I was able to grow my business because I knew what my niche was. Now, if I were to advise a young entrepreneur, you know, ask yourself, like, what is your niche, or what niche either appeals to you, or what niche is already asking you for stuff, for to do things.
0: And I love that you didn't wait for things to be perfect. Like you were talking about your Japanese maybe wasn't perfect or it was awkward, yet you were known because you identified yourself as such and you were relatable and you were creative. So I love the fact that it's, you know, you've clearly demonstrated in your actions in your life and your business that it's not about perfection. It's about action.
1: It's about action. It's kind of also where like you want to, listen for the clues too. Like I did not get my first dance interpretation job on my own. Another choreo- a choreographer came to me and said, Marissa, I need some help. I have a guest from England coming and I need you to just sit in with me so that I understand what he says. And I said, okay, sure. <laughs> and then like, you know, it was just like, I was like, oh, okay. I guess I'm um, You know, and then it was just one after another. Then I'm like going, okay, I think I can market myself as this, you know, this translator interpreter specializing in dance. So it's like you want to kind of look for those clues, you know, when and where are you needed because you are the one to do it. Like I may not be like, for example, like even with my ballroom Salsa, business, you know, I found a certain niche, there's I know instructors that they their niche is more on the competitive ballroom side of things, taking students to compete at ballroom dance competitions. you know, there's plenty for everyone. So it's like, you know, what is it about you, that makes you unique?
0: And needed. I totally agree with you about there is enough for everyone. I really believe that in the prosperity mindset that there isn't competition, just collaboration. And mm-hmm. so you'll find the people that you're supposed to serve, which you have. And I know you work with both adults and kids that are in wheelchairs. And as a teacher, I know you learn a ton from your students just as much as they learn a ton from you. What are some of the surprising things that you've learned from them in your teaching and choreography process?
1: I've learned quite a bit. To start with, you know, I hadn't taught too many kids prior to my Infinite Flow Kids wheelchair dance class. And one thing that I have learned is kids are very smart and they're very creative. You know, sometimes I, I get blown away with things that happen. One of the key words in Infinite Flow is inclusion. You know, we treat the wheelchair dancer and the ambulatory dancer equally equally one is not more important than the other. We're a wheelchair dance company, but it's not just about the wheelchair dancers. It's about everyone. I find that the kids get that concept really fast once they're in that environment. They might not know why another child is in a wheelchair, but there's something about them wanting to include them. you know, Or, or like if someone is not included, there's Always, one student that notices that someone's not included, and will go and try to include that person, will come to me saying, "Why doesn't she have a partner, (laughs) or or something?" (laughs) You know. So sometimes I'm I'm just blown away at, you know, I you know I'm not sure what's going through their mind if they're even aware of what they're being involved in. Um, So that's one thing. You know, honestly, I'm right now in a state of, you know, I don't see the wheelchair anymore. You know, one of our mission is to break barriers artistically and socially. And me, myself, I'm starting to not see the chair anymore. I just see the person. At the same time, because there are many in our community that have overcome quite a bit of adversity, for sure, I, I am constantly inspired by how they have gone from pretty much, many of them, tragedy to triumph. I should say, and I mean, what I've learned is it's a lot. <laughs> I feel like I've received as much as I've given is what it feels like in many different ways.
0: Have you had any students that you see yourself in when you were training? In the fact that you said that you were not wanting to talk and you were kind of socially withdrawn. Do, have you had to? Have you encountered that with some of your students?
1: Not with. My students, I have to say everyone that has voluntarily come into Infinite Flows classroom or environment, whether it's workshops or weekly classes, they're already, like, let's say past all that. They're like, okay, you know, I'm ready to move on. Sometimes, like, one of the discussions I've had with my professional wheelchair dancers is that sometimes... Like the wheelchair user gets get divided up into two groups, and one group is those whose goal is to walk. So, you know, every day it's a battle to be able to walk again. So that's one population. And then the other population is wheelchair users who accept the fact that they are paralyzed from the neck down or the waist down or you know, whatever their paralysis level is and say, okay, you know, I accept that I'm going to be using a wheelchair. How can I make my life better? And I feel like, you know, uh, in my community, I do have both groups, but I tend to get more of the the wheelchair users who are more in the second category. Um, So they accept their state, but are looking for better ways to improve the quality of their life. So they're past that point. The one time that I literally broke down for a few days was when um, prior to starting Infinite Flow, just as I was getting into wheelchair dancing about been about two years, just by coincidence, I just happened to work on a short film as a wheelchair dancer, me myself. And on set, as one of the extras in one of our scenes, a wheelchair user, you know, came on set as an extra. And she was formerly a ballet dancer. And basically her story is that, I think it was when she was 17 that she was hit by a car and she's become a quadriplegic. And the shoot was actually taking place at a dance studio. She hadn't visited the dance studio since her injury two years prior or I think it was two or four years prior. And so when she came on set, she literally just lost it. It was just too difficult for her. So her mother ended up taking her home. And I saw them leave, and so I actually chased them out to see what was going on. And the mother said that it was just too difficult for her to face the dance studio again because she hadn't been to the dance studio since her injury. And, like... For me, I just didn't know what to say to her. Now I'm I'm on my feet dancing professionally, and to her, I'm kind of almost like, you know, why me? You know. So I've encountered a couple of those incidents, and all I can do is prey on them and continue to build infinite flow so that it reaches more people and that it serves more people. And even to this girl who maybe right at that moment, she was not ready to go back into the dance studio. But maybe when she is that there's something for her that she can rediscover dance again. Yes. And so that's kind of like where I always think about that incident when I'm kind of like um, in the state of, okay, how can I, wh-
0: where do I want to take Infinite Flow next? Do you find that with your professional dancers, you know, they they were already accomplished in other areas before they joined Infinite Flow. Has that helped with working together? Um, have you had the same kind of struggles? What has been the process with that?
1: Yes, for sure. It did help that they were already in that mindset of, I'm ready to learn how to dance and I want to do it well. And <laughs> they were kind of like, okay, I don't know Marissa, but she seems very passionate and she seems like she knows what she's doing, so I'm just going to give this a try. It was kind of how everyone kind of came in, <laughs> to be really honest with you. For them, you know, again, wheelchair dancing was so underdeveloped that they were willing to give it a shot because how many dance studios and dance companies are there in which they are fully accepted and obviously, they came in. They came to me not as dancers. I have three wheelchair dancers right now, and and then two ambulatory dancers, including myself, that are regular working in the professional dance company. And the three wheelchair dancers came with almost little or no dance training. Um Mia, the female in the wheelchair, she had done some hip hop before, but the whole ballroom thing was new. You know, my two guys were totally blue and new to dancing altogether. But, you know, just training them from scratch. Sometimes, like, especially when the media contacts me, they they kind of question, so you guys are a professional wheelchair dance company? And I'm like, yes, we are. And he's like, well, how do you define that? Do you guys get paid for your work? And I'm like, yes, we do. <laughs> and, you know, so then, you know, then, you know, recently I got asked the question, so what is your definition of a professional dancer? and it's it's not just being a good dancer but also being a good having good work ethics and being responsible and you know re- responsible for the dancing and the work involved just like any other job and so with these three dancers um they already they came in with something you know you, you know just like like just like you know in the audition room anywhere sometimes you're like okay that dancer has something i don't know what they've got something i think i can work with that dancer because I like that something that they have. And for me, you know, as a director, it was the same thing. These three individuals who came to me at different times, I knew that they all had something, you know, they had something to work with. And as I worked with them, they progressed and they look like dancers as well. But it's been very interesting working with these individuals.
0: You emphasize the fact that they were already with the mindset that, you know, I I trust her, I'm going to learn and that they had a work ethic already. And I think that's a big thing. I know lots of people that have talent. And I and even before I stopped dancing, I was around dancers that were just incredibly mm-hmm. talented, but their work ethic was like nothing. They yeah. kind of just walked into class or they walked into into different situations thinking, okay, well, you know, I got this kind of thing. And maybe they did, but their work ethic and their attitude was not good. So I didn't consider them professional. I just considered them, well, they somehow have this gift or they're talented and it frustrated me because I thought, oh, my goodness, how much more could you do if your attitude and your work ethic, you know, matched your talent? <laughs> so, uh-huh. you know, that so I, I totally get what you were saying about that. And it's so much easier to work with someone if they have the attitude of, you know what, I'm going to put the work in. I'm, I may not be perfect. I might have some limitations. But you know what, I'm going to give my heart and my soul and my effort. And I think that makes a huge difference.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. I think what Yes, I think definitely the work ethic part. It's also like as they kind of got more involved, you know, they rehearse, rehearsed, they perform, they train, you know, et cetera, et cetera, just like any other dancer, you know, they're starting to enjoy the work. So then it becomes like kind of like a hobby slash job at the same time. And yeah, and I think everyone's got their reasons for why they are part of Infinite Flow. Yeah, everyone's got like a different reason. But, you know, the great thing about dancing is we can all come together and create and dance some dance together. Yeah, I think, um, you know, going back to the business side of things, um, (laughs) this sounds very interesting. But we are not the first professional wheelchair dance company in America. Access Dance Company out in Oakland is, I think, the pioneering adaptive dance company in the States. They're in year 29 right now and much respect to them and actually you know it was actually access was part of my inspiration to start my own thing but in terms of ball wheelchair ballroom we we were number 1 so i found what we were number 1 at <laughs> and so when i was kind of f- trying to figure out you know my you know where my vision was what we can call ourselves as number 1 that was it So, you know, on the business side of things, it might be a good exercise to find out what you are the first of.
0: So, <laughs> yeah. You know, I have to go back also to the performance that I saw when you were saying that everybody has different reasons for being part of Infinite Flow. But um, and and that is, of course, true for anything. But what I loved about the performance, I have to say, is I felt the joy like you were talking about as your dancers have been training. They've been uh, working. They've been getting better. And I saw the joy in them as they were performing. It was just joy all around. That's why I, I felt such a... A connection, you know, and I'm not, I know I'm not the only one in the audience that did. I didn't really pay attention to the wheelchairs. I, I thought that that would be distracting, but it wasn't. And yeah. for the and first time seeing you, and I mean, that says a lot because that was the first time I saw you guys, first time I heard of you guys. And that's not really what I was paying attention to.
1: And relating that to business stuff, um, I've actually changed my mission statement three times. And it went from sharing dance with people of all abilities to improving the quality of life of people of all abilities too. And the final and the third and the one that we're probably not, we're we're going to keep and not change is to break barriers artistically and socially through the innovation of wheelchair dancing. I love that. And the whole breaking barriers, not just socially, but artistically is definitely by all means, I feel like is the core of my work as an artist. It's like I do – and the the experience that you had in which you don't see the chair anymore or you don't see the difference between someone with and without the disability, to be able to express that not just through words but also through the form of performing arts is, I think, something that I want to continue to grow and expand on. And that's basically what Infinite Flow is known for right for right now after after one year. And I think this concept is going to expand and continue as we push forward.
0: I want to stress again, what you did is you didn't wait to get the perfect mission statement before you started your company. You didn't wait to get everything perfect. You just went for it because that's what you're supposed to do. And now this is developed and it's it's awesome. Exactly. I think it's kind of like on the
1: job training, like sometimes I think you will discover what you really want as you kind of explore that area, you know? So like, you know, like, like if I'm talking to, let's say a young dancer wants to start his own dance class, maybe he has various um, experience in hip hop and working with different choreographers, but doesn't know where to start from in his own class. But like, you know, my advice to that, that that dancer would be like, okay, just start a class, you know, and teach what you know and see who sticks and who doesn't. And see, you know, where, you know, you feel like you can make a mark, you know, and hopefully that niche and your passions match.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. And that goes right into our next set of questions called the Dancepreneur and Quick Steps. Speaking of dance classes and dance steps, I'm going mm-hmm. to ask you three quick questions and you just have to say what comes to mind first. Okay? Okay. Sure. Okay. So dance style you haven't tried, but would like to and why? Popping and locking. <laughs> Oh, you haven't tried popping and locking? <laughs> no, oh, wow. I I have not. I I
1: mean, the most hip hop I've done is is probably Groove Three. You know, Benjamin Allen's hip hop yes. class, which is amazing, which I love. But all that intricate stuff that you know these in isolations, <laughs> I it's just I you know I would love someone to just break my you know break down that stuff for me and put in put it in my body. So I've never, yeah. That's oh,
0: that's, oh, I would love to see you do that. You know, you're the first person I think that has said that they haven't tried popping and locking. It's funny, everyone else that I've interviewed, a lot of them haven't tried ballroom or any type. Oh, of, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's opposite. Um, what is your or who is your favorite dancer and why? You know,
1: I stared at that question yesterday. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Oh, my God, it just depends on the genre. And, uh-huh. But you know, let's let's if I were to, you know, Let's say uh, more than dancer, let's say choreographer, and let's say let's stick with ballroom for the moment. Um, I definitely have a lot of respect for Jason Gillickson of Burn oh, the Floor. He's one of my favorites too. And also Derek Huff on Dancing with the Stars. Um, Good choices. I definitely, you know, would love to have them in infinite flow working with us you know, in the near future. So um, I do feel like, you no, know, they're very different. Both of them are very different in how they've approached choreography and production. But, you know, I feel like, you know, I was like, gosh, how much new stuff can Derek Huff come up with, you know, after all these seasons with Dancing with the Stars? And I just feel like Jason Gillickson has made such a very strong statement in his choreography and how he has put together his... Um, his troupe of dancers.
0: Ah, yes. He, he is definitely one of my favorites as well. Dance style that describes your day currently and why? I stared at that question and didn't <laughs> know what to say either.
1: <laughs> I actually think it's ballroom. <laughs> ah, of course. <laughs> I really think it's, you know, ballroom is based on leading and following. And I find myself in both positions of leading and positions of following. Sometimes I'm the one that is in charge, you know, putting things in place, delegating things, paving the way for, you know, my dancers, my company, my students, etc. At the same time, sometimes I try to, well... It's not easy, but I try to kind of <laughs> let go of that control uh-huh. and just let things flow. <laughs> and so I, I feel like you know the leading, you know, the leading and following. It's kind of like you know I, I'm a firm believer of creating possibilities as well as letting possibilities happen. And that's what you know ballroom and all these other partner dancing, you know how, how they work. You know, one leads, the other one follows, at the same time. If you come and take my dance class, you'll see what I mean. But there's always a leading and a following. I'm sorry, there's always a following aspect to the leader. And there's always a leading aspect to the follower. You're you know, as a follower, you're not fully passive. As a leader, after you lead, you actually follow before you lead again. And so this interchange between leading and following, I feel like describes how I approach my daily life, as well as kind of when i do kind of set forth okay um like a big project or something i kind of go okay let's put it out there and let's just see what comes back
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. so that was beautifully said i love that i love that analogy and you just that, that was great i loved it marissa if Thank people you. want to connect with you where can they find you
1: you can find infinite flow a wheelchair dance company at infiniteflowdance.org i'll spell it out it's i n F-I-N-I-T-E-F-L-O-W-Dance.org. You can also find me on my personal website, which is MarissaHamamoto.com. M-A-R-I-S-A-H-A-M-A-M-O-T-O. Um, my Twitter, Instagram handles are at Marissa Hamamoto as well. So, yes, that's where you can find me
0: marissa this has been such a wonderful conversation i just would love to talk to you like forever about all these wonderful things that you've done you've been just amazing and i am so looking forward to seeing how infinite flow develops and then all of your other business projects that you have going on thank you so much for being on the podcast i really appreciate it
1: thank you so much annette
0: What limitations have you overcome in your life and in your business? I would love to hear about your victories, and you can go to AnnetteBone.com forward slash 067, where you'll also find the show notes to this session. And if you found this podcast helpful or any of the other sessions helpful, I would really appreciate it if you went to iTunes or Stitcher Radio and rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And if you do it in iTunes, Going through the Apple podcast app helps the show get more exposure. So I'd really appreciate that. And that way we can reach more people. And I would love to give you a shout out on a future session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. Until next time, I pray that you have an exceptional week and more blessings than you can imagine. I look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. This has been a
1: session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. Find the archives of this show at annettbone.com slash podcast or on iTunes. Contact Annette at anetbone.com. This podcast copyright by anetbone.com and dancepreneuring.com. All rights reserved. The Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business.